Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, thanks for tuning in to episode number 121 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes. And if you like what we have been doing, please be sure to subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen, we are there. And if, while you're there, if you could please leave us a written review, give us some star power, helps us continue to get our name out there so we can reach more people. And Porter, uh, football's back, man. It's officially back. I know that it started with UCA and Austin P a couple of weeks ago, but the Power Five conferences started and some ACC teams and, and Big 12, which uh, the Big 12 did not have a very good day, but we'll get into that here in just a second. But overall, man, uh, NFL is back, and we got the big boys of the SEC playing in a couple of weeks. It all seems to be right in the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was nice to, you know, college game day. I mean, in, take the optics away from it because, you know, it's going to look different. The sound's going to be different. The piped-in sounds. But you know what? We had a full day of college football. We've got a full day of NFL action today. I mean, as a fan, we're back. You know, it's not going to be like it was last year, but we got football all day long. Get the wings going. Get the crock pot with the meatballs. Let's watch football all weekend long and – you know, I wasn't disappointed yesterday because, you know, Clemson started off, you know, number one team in the nation, 37 nothing. I mean, they, ETN and, and Trevor Lawrence are on it. I think they're on a mission. They always seem to bounce back. You look at the past five years, they've lost a ch- in the national championship game and then won it every other year. So I think this year they're, they're back for business and barring, you know, something bad because they come up with a port if there's, you know, if they have less than eight teams in ACC that are willing to play, they're going to shut the conference down. So, I mean, we're, we're starting to see some of these effective. I've seen where Auburn's affected by COVID. Uh, you know, the Virginia Tech-Virginia game was affected. Baylor, and I can't remember who they were going to play, was affected. So, you know, it, it's going to be weird because we're always going to be waiting on those tests now. It's going to be almost like a weekly thing. How is that Wednesday test going? But, but as of a whole, man, it was awesome except for the Big 12. Yeah, and as, as we have been talking about as the, we open up the pod, uh, football is back, and you may not be at the game during this year, or most people won't at least, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, players, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to waiver than any place online. 
You can also enjoy the online casino from anywhere and it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today to take advantage and all of all of the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And so we'll start off with the Big 12. <laughs> Man, I, that's about as – I know as an Arkansas fan, uh, as we've lost to uh, so many G- group of five schools over the last couple of years, I can't really – Talk a whole lot of crap, but uh, the Big 12 just struggled bad yesterday. Texas Tech barely edged out Houston Baptist, the 10th best team, uh, pre- at least preseason ranked in the Southland Conference. Coastal Carolina, that, that score with Kansas was not as close as – I think the final score was 38-23, to 23, but Kansas was losing at halftime 28-3. to 3. Then you've also got Iowa State just getting floored by was it Louisiana Lafayette and then of course our home state Arkansas State Red Wolves take down the Kansas State uh, the Kansas State Wildcats man I'll tell you I'll think I'll go ahead and start by saying that Arkansas State and Louisiana Lafayette better enjoy Billy Napier and Blake Anderson the head coaches that are there for now because I think that those two guys I'll start off by saying that they're probably going to be at bigger schools next year yeah I mean and and what I loved about it, it was, you know, with this, that's another thing with this COVID. Now these smaller schools are going to start getting the love and the, you know, cause Louisiana's already ranked 16th in the nation, you know, in the new poll coming up this week, you know, and, and man, freaking Jonathan Adams Jr. For Arkansas state already setting a name for himself, taking over for Omar Bayless at wide receiver and making two incredible catches. And what surprised everybody is half the people on ESPN didn't even realize that, Blake Anderson went into Kansas State into Manhattan with eight, eight or nine starters out and still beat Kansas State. So, yeah, very good day for Blake Anderson. Very good day for Louisiana. A very good day for the Sun Belt. I mean, you know, we kind of threw a little teaser out, a little joke, and, you know, and about how the Sun Belt did yesterday. But, man, it, it, yeah, it was a good day for them. Well, and they have – Arkansas State has about as good of a problem as you could, for lack of a better word, at quarterback. They've got two guys that are getting the job done. Logan Bonner has been getting the majority of the snaps. I know Lane, Lane Hatcher played a good bit uh, last week and then tossed two touchdowns on Saturday. But both of those guys, it seems that they're better – like in the beginning of the season, first two games, one, like first, second game in, maybe even three games into the season, you might alternate quarterbacks because you just don't know who's going – like you, they was so close in camp that you just don't know who's going to consistently get the job done. But I think that Arkansas State's better off playing both of these guys as we go throughout this season. Lane Hatcher was the freshman of the year in the Sun Belt last year when Logan Bonner went down. These guys just seem to feed well off of each other and can both move the ball down the field. Yeah, and, and with the thing with Arkansas State, they've built a program, you know, ever since Gus Malzahn. And, you know, now Blake Anderson really made a name for himself last year, you know, and with the gesture that Georgia showed him with his wife and the passing and the, and the breast cancer awareness and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you're at, a, you're at a school like Arkansas State in the Sun Belt, and you've got a point where you can have two legit quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, that's a very good problem. I mean, there's – I mean, yeah, in Division One, it's different because both quarterbacks are trying to get that shine. They're trying to be the man, so you could run into the problems there. But, you know, a place like Arkansas State where you got two number ones, if, if say one gets COVID but they're not in the quarterback room, I mean, you still got somebody that you can come back and, and lead you to a good victory. And with, with the schedule they got, you know, they don't – other than UCA this come week, which is going to be a heck of a game oh, for an yeah. in-state rivalry. But I, I wish we could get to that game. Yeah, that's one that I, I wish I could get to that one. And then also uh, Missouri State. I, I think that UCA is probably going to beat Missouri State. I don't know really what Bobby Petrino has there. Of course, they uh, lost pretty heavily to uh, 
to uh, OU on Saturday. Yes. But, yeah, the ne- it's going to be crazy the next uh, two weeks. For I know UCA travels to Jonesboro this coming week, and then the next week Missouri, Missouri State comes to them. But uh, how about I'll, – I'll bring out another guy here, uh, Barry Lunny, his first game as an offensive coordinator at UTSA. Uh, they had to fight, and, and they survived 51-48, to 48, but they put up 51 points, and at one point were up 24-7. to 7. So, uh, really, really good first game for Jeff Trailer and Barry Lunny, two former Razorback coaches. Yeah, and uh, thank goodness that, that the Texas State kicker is, is horrible, or that they, it would have been a loss because uh, we were sitting there talking in the group chat together, and then as we watched the uh, Texas State punt returner take it back 91 yards for a touchdown, I'm like, oh, my gosh, and then – they have to go in overtime, and what he missed two kicks, one in one the regular time, See, and then one uh, overtime. Or I actually wasn't. I saw some of the highlights of this, as I told you guys yesterday. I'll, I'll tell the brief story real quick. I, I was in uh, in Central Arkansas Friday night covering North Little Rock and Fayetteville. Since I don't live there anymore, I went ahead and just stayed at my parents. Did some errands the next day. I come back and my internet is completely dead. Can't do anything on my computer. Uh, and I'm a cable cord cutter. So I'm trying to get on t- to the TV, turn the games on, which of course, Texas State and UTSA were on at that time. Well, it turns out that um, I forgot to pay my, or at least I forgot to put my internet bill on auto pay. So I had my account blocked. So I spent basically roughly two and a half hours off and on <laughs> on the phone trying to get that reconnected so I didn't even get to watch any football until about 8 p.m. so just mm. for, for this particular game I only saw the highlights yeah yeah they did they, they missed a uh, field goal and it was a 20-yard field goal attempt in the second overtime which would have been the game winning extra point in the minute 16 left in the fourth so yes he missed he missed two crucial kicks which allowed um, UTSA to get the 51-48 to 48 win. But, yeah, I mean, for them, too, to go down there, Barry Lunny and, and Trailer to go down there to UTSA. And, you know, these are these teams that, you know, they're lucky to get three, four, five wins, you know. So, you go in their first year in San Antonio, I mean, they're a decent program. And Texas State hung – we get, forget that Texas State hung with SMU last week. So, I mean, for them to go in there and get the win, 51-48, man, that – it's good for us because, you know, we – that's what makes Arkansas unique. Just because you leave Arkansas like a Mike Anderson, like a Barry Lunny, you know, we're, they follow you wherever you go, and they're still proud to say that you're a part of that Arkansas program. So, he'll always be a Razorback, you know, quarterback, coach, and now he's, he's got his own place there in San Antonio. So, we're proud of him. Yeah, and UTSA has only been a program for 10 years. Uh, when I first moved down there in 2017, they were actually pretty good around that time. Frank Wilson had got it going, and they have, they had a really really solid defense. Marcus Davenport went uh, went it was like maybe fifteenth. I want to say he was in the top fifteen, top twenty a couple of years ago to the Saints, and had a couple of other really good players that got uh, on some NFL rosters as well. But the one thing that I think Jeff Trailer is going to do, and I've said this before, he is so respected in the state of Texas with high school coaches. Had a really good career. I believe he won about three state championships in Gilmer there in East Texas. And so just has so many ties and is well-respected throughout the entire state. And the thing about San Antonio is they have some good high school football, but I wouldn't say you could quite compare it to even Austin just an hour up the road or the DFW area, Houston. They've got some really good talent in that area, but you're not going to see your consistent four and five stars like you do in the other areas that I mentioned. And so what Jeff Trailer is going to do, he's, he's going to, to get East Texas. That's his area. That's where he spent so much time. 
Um, I can't remember the the tight end's name that was committed to us out of East Texas. Um, I want to say he was from not it wasn't Carthage, um, but I, his name slips in my mind right now. But he was a three. Some some regarded him as a four star. And after he decommitted from Arkansas, he went to UTSA, and I believe he's the highest rated prospect that UTSA has ever had. So uh, I think that Jeff Trailer's really going to do a solid job down there of getting the guys uh, that, that that maybe the UTs don't want or Baylor or Houston, but are still, as we've talked about before, uh, as Texas three-star prospects, you're mostly in smaller states like Arkansas or Mississippi, you're probably going to be a four-star. Well, and you got to think, you know, a lot of these, like, you know, we're, we're dealing with a lot of kids opting out. So, you know, some of these kids that would – be wanting to go to the West coast, the East coast away, you know, they're wanting to stay close to home because until they get all this COVID stuff, I mean, you're going to find these smaller schools going to start getting these three stars and four stars because of the connections like, you know, Barry Lunny has with Arkansas, you know, you start to filter out, you know, and get these one, these hidden gems. And, you know, all it takes is one star player to, to really make a season and then build a program off of that. So be, be looking for some of these smaller schools to start, you know, get some of these high-rated players that they normally don't see. Yeah, and, and I was going to backtrack just a second. We were talking about upsets and, and stuff within the Big 12 particularly, and um, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of that this year. Who knows? Maybe the Razorbacks could be one of those that sneaks out and gets a big win. I don't know that I would put my money on that, but um, I think that we're going to see a lot of that. Maybe um, I think North Dakota State's playing – I know they play UCA. I'm not sure if they play many other games, but, you know, they, they had a uh, – I actually think it was Kansas State that they upset two or three years ago. So um, we've seen the FCS schools upset. Now that's one thing that has, hasn't happened to Arkansas out of all the bad losses that they've had. They have not lost. They came close to Coastal Carolina a couple years ago and Portland State uh, last year. But um, overall, I, I think that we're. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an upset every week. I know that next week we got another slate of games that uh, are not extremely like wow. But again, we're just thankful that we have a season. But we could possibly see that next week too. I know Cincinnati. I want to say Cincinnati plays Austin P. I know both of those schools play next week, and we're looking at around six to eight games before we get into all of the full slate of the conference schedules. But well, something to keep an eye on too. Let let let's look at fast forward to when the SEC plays their first week, and and let's keep an eye on their conditioning and take note of how important that extra month of conditioning and practice and lifting has helped the SEC teams or the other teams that are starting off later opposed to like the ACC. Cause a lot of you look at Navy, they got blown away, but they said they had one practice, one or two practices before they even got to play. You know, I've noticed it at the high school games and the junior high level and watching some of these, you know, games that these college games, you can tell the third, fourth quarter, the conditioning and the execution, just the small things that, you need to be have buttoned down by week one. I mean, you could tell they're three, four weeks behind. So when SEC kicks off, let's see if their conditioning is a little bit better and their sharpness a little bit better composed to starting early. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up. I was actually going to say about you're going to have your typical cramping and stuff like that, and you're going to be gassed. No matter how much you run, you're not going to be game speed until you play at least three, four, or five games. That's just the, the reality of it. But I, I've actually been very impressed with the amount of teams that have been able to execute. Pro I thought we were going to have just constant sloppy games, so at least for the first couple of weeks, because as you said, some of these 
none of these teams have not had a chance, but maybe to practice two, three times, and if that. And so they're just – I think that these that the coaching staffs, the universities, everybody involved has done a really good job, not just of keeping the COVID cases down, following the guidelines, but just adapting. They, they've basically not made any excuses, or at least from what we've seen publicly. They've just dealt with what they are able to do, and they're doing everything that they can to play. Yeah, definitely. And they're, they're, the testing is, I mean, now they're coming out with faster testing. They're coming out with more testing and where the results can go back quicker. So, I mean, they're doing their job and they're doing the best they can. And, you know, Arkansas State's already played two games now. UCA's played games. Now we're going to start seeing these results and they're going to realize that, you know, it, you know, you're going to have those teams. I mean, the way I, this is just my opinion, you know, you're going to have a team every week. That, that can't play and they're going to be quarantined for a week, but that's what they've already, they've already built the schedule for this. You know, they've gave them the buys and they gave them that time where they can go find another opponent like Baylor and Houston, I believe is they both lost an opponent. So now they're able to try to get a game to go together so they can get a game in and play each other. So, you know, we can't, we can't just freak out when teams get 40 players in quarantine, not all 40 players have the COVID. It's just, one player could have it or three players could have it, but then they do the contact tracing. Well, now that whole room's in, so now we're going to quarantine everybody that has been in contact. So, you know, we, it's going to happen. You know, it's bound to happen. It's already happened in Arkansas. It's happened in Clemson. It's happened in Oklahoma. But, look, Oklahoma, they were in quarantine for two weeks, and they bounced back and, and, and had negative tests. Arkansas State and had positive tests a few weeks back. So, we got to look at the positive of it instead of getting freaked out just because a team gets a, a positive test. Yep, definitely. I, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that I think UCA after Austin P, uh, they had zero tests, and then I want to say after UAB, they actually had like three or four come up with them. Not maybe just all players. Obviously, we don't know who it was because of HIPAA, HIPAA uh, violations, but. Um, I, I think it might, it, it could have been trainers or whatever, just three people with three or four people within uh, the football program. So, um, overall, I mean, like you said, they're good. There's just no way that they're not going to have a single case, but they've done a great job of keeping them down and just really keeping it under control. So let's move into the next segment here. I want to give a couple of, uh, reports from Razorback, I guess not really fall camp anymore. Um, just getting ready for, for the, for, for the game against Georgia here in a couple of weeks, but, a little shocking. Uh, earlier this week, we heard reports that Marcus Henderson, uh, the offensive tackle that coming in, probably the best offensive line prospect that we have coming in from the 2020 class, that he's been one of the many people that they've tried at tight end. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I think that's really interesting. I'll, I'll get your uh, reaction to that first before I, I go into what I think about it. Well, I, I don't want to be negative about it, but it's like they're scrambling to get a tight end. I mean, to me, I mean, they blame toll. They moved him back and forth. It's like the scheme that they're wanting to run to give Franks the ability to learn the offense and run this. It's like they're trying to do, throw in these two tight end sets, and they're trying to scramble for another tight end to come in and help them out. And so that's that's worrisome to me, you know, because you're already dealing with offensive line issues, trying to get that offensive line up to speed to where it needs to be an SEC caliber offensive line now you're I mean they they're kind of not coming out and say it but yet they're saying it you know when you see tied in or putting moving them here you know when you get to the division one level I mean it should be like a one-off situation where you even think about moving a guy from one position to another I mean if a guy comes in 
as an athlete out of high school and you choose to put him somewhere, that's different. But if you recruit somebody as a linebacker and you're like, well, we need somebody that's tied in. And that, that concerns me because, you know, especially when you're trying to hold the edge to get the run game going and you don't have a tight end to block, I mean, that, that's going to – that could cause some problems. Yeah, I'm, I'm extremely scared. I'll be hit straight up front. Uh, it just seems that they're just trying everything at will right now, just doing what they're able to do. You've got two scholarship tight ends in Hudson Henry and Blake Kern, and you've got a couple of grad transfer walk-ons. As you mentioned, they moved Blaine Toll back and forth to the point where it's almost unfair. I mean, to like, I, I, I admire him for uh, just being a team player, but it's like, man, you know, how many times – that's got to mess with your head, just being moved back and forth what maybe four or five times i think now yeah and but the good thing is when he was at hazen and he played both ways. he played so everywhere he, yeah he know, played so it's not like he come from a school where he's only played defense now he's thrown into a whole new position so yeah. i mean but it's still a different level this is at now you're having to learn two different playbooks and especially you're dealing with a guy like barry odom and kendall Bros. could you imagine how hard it is to try to learn both of those playbooks yeah yeah, and well, they've they moved him a bunch of times. And they've also moved Eric Taylor, another defensive end. I think he was from the 2019 class. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. And now you're moving your best offensive lineman over there. That's, this tells me two things. That the obvious one is being that there's not a whole lot of confidence from the coaches that there are guys that are going to contribute positively in games. And definitely that they're going to – their goal is to – and just like in a Sam Pittman offense – uh, they're going to run the ball, and as they should, when you've got Rakeem Boyd in the backfield. And we've talked about the transfer from Arizona State, Traylon Smith, who had to sit out last year. You're going to have, just like last year, on paper, you're going to have a really deep running uh, stack of running backs. I mean, you've got Rakeem Boyd, Traylon Smith, TJ Hammonds has, has shown flashes in a Razorback uniform, but it's been a very interesting career for him. It seems like he's been here for 10 years. You also got Amane Spivey from the 2019 class that's apparently got a lot of talent. He got a little bit of time last year in his four games that he was able to do and still keep his red shirt. Incoming freshman Dominique Johnson, 6'1", 230-pound frame. You can expect to see him probably in some goal line situations. I would expect that to happen quite a bit. And then there's also one, uh, Josh Oglesby. He is a track star. Uh, I read some things about him a couple of weeks ago, but they put him at running back. I think he runs like around a 4-3, 4-4, so blazing speed. And, and, Porter, I wanted to bring up something. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast. I know I talked about it some when I was still doing Tex Hogs, but I don't know why. Houston Nutt was really good at it, but I don't know why with the Razorbacks having the premier track program in the country, we don't try to find more defensive backs. Houston Nutt had Lawrence Richardson, Michael Grant, Michael Coe, Batman Carroll, God, God bless Batman Carroll. That guy, I love him to death, but I think he was just a tad bit overrated. That's beside the point. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. He uh, got, got drafted in the first round. I was really shocked about that. But anyway, uh, you, that, that just shows that someone like Lawrence Richardson, he wasn't the greatest tackler in the world. He was really, really fast. Uh, Michael, Michael Grant, really, really fast, okay tackler. But you don't have to be an amazing tackler to play corner. You, in the SEC, to keep up with this speed, you just need guys that are blazing quick. I mean, as long as you can bat a ball down, that's really all that you ask. You'd like them to tackle. You'd like them to be able to get the interceptions. But I think that these – like the coaches, you know, Chad Morris, of course, he wasn't there very long, Brett Bielema, Bobby Petrino. I'm kind of shocked that they didn't go after more track stars like Houston Nutt did. Well, and, and, and that just kind of shows the, the way the athlete has transformed over the past 20 years. you you got to look at a track star. Yeah, they run three heats, a run sprint. But you're asking a guy, now as much as they throw the ball, 
you know, say 50 times. You're asking that guy to be on point 50 times a game, and, and it's hard. You know, it's just kind of like look at Blaine Holt. He's an athlete, and, you know, they're trying to move him to tight end. I mean, he's a freakish athlete, but, you know, the, the hands just aren't there, so they move him back. So just because the guy's fast, you know, now you got to teach him a technique and to stay with the guy. And I mean, you can be fast but not quick. You know, I mean, that's the way I see it. And then now the way people are stronger and faster and quicker, you're going up against these four- and five-star guys. I mean, it'd be good for a filler just to throw, throw a body out there. But when you're trying to build a program, I mean, you, you can't just go off of, of speed and, and say, well, they're going to be a good quarterback or a good safety or whatnot, you know? Yeah, oh, definitely. I agree with you. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, with some of – you know, you think about some of the guys that we've had in the past. Uh, I'm not going to put out any names, but how many coaches have we had in the last 10, 15 – really, really even maybe some of the Houston nut days, too, where we line our defensive backs 15 yards off the ball. So, yeah, just because you yeah. run a 4-3 doesn't necessarily – again, and a lot of these guys that are running track, they – they train uh, for to for their bodies to be lean, so they might you know get trucked by a, an SEC runner. Not just an SEC running back. I mean, there's plenty of other talented teams out there, regardless of what conference you're talking about. But you you get like a 220, 230 pound running back that's trying to uh, to run past or really run through a guy that's rocking maybe 160, 180 pounds, that's obviously not going to work. But I, I just thought that Houston Nutt did a really good job, especially at the cornerback position. Man, Batman Carroll, I think that guy – I mean, he ran – I don't know if you remember him or not. Um, he got yeah, drafted by I the Packers. Batman. Yeah, he, he got drafted by the Packers in 2004. And I, and I am by no means talking – I know I was just hard on him uh, a second ago, but – but I was just beyond – I still remember I was in eighth grade. He got drafted by the Packers. I think it was 24th, 25th overall, and I could not believe that he got his name called that early. Had a had a decent NFL career, but it was just like, man, so many times he was just a passing interference call waiting to happen. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, he definitely – he had the speed, man. He could keep up with just about anybody, but – but I think that will get it for today, uh, man. It's 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 awesome. Uh, this is the last show before we start actually covering Razor, or at least previewing Razorback games. So yes, uh, and, by the next time we've made it, we've yeah, we've, we've kind of made it through the quarantine. I mean, and I, I was talking to our buddy Arns. You know, they do a radio show every day. I was like, man, did you ever think that you would have got to this point to where you would have lasted this whole time, being able to keep a three-hour radio show a day going? And he said, not in a million years. So. Yeah. You know, we've made it. We see the light. It's here. We've got football. It's not Arkansas football yet, but it's coming. You know, we got, you know, Arkansas State's representing the state. UCA's going out there playing. That big game's coming up this weekend. So we're going to have a lot to cover. You know, we've been getting some really good guests the past couple of weeks, and we got more coming. So stay, stay tuned to the Hog Talk podcast. Yeah, as you, as you talked about with Alyssa Orange a couple of months ago, you know, you were – she had mentioned that they thought this was going to last two weeks and here we are five months later and and yeah we've had a really great lineup of guests if you guys haven't heard Kevin and and Porter's interview with uh, Ryan McGee from Friday's show definitely check that out some incredible content it's great stories and also uh, talks about his book that's coming out later this week and uh, and then we also had Mark Pierce former fullback who has a a great redemption story I played with with Fred Talley blocked for blocked for him and Cedric Cobbs, a lot of great running backs and, and Razorback history. Um, just some great stuff that we've had. And, man, you know, we've we've talked about how you guys, how uh, much you, your uh, support means to us. We had our 100th show a couple of months ago, which was great. 
Um, but yeah, we really appreciate you guys with, with all the listens and the interactions on social media. It's just been great. So, uh, but that will get it for episode number 121 of the Hawk Talk Podcast. With Porter Hayes, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you guys next time. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.